It's a gospel on the radio talk show. A show about dreams and visions and a church that is indeed triumphant, alive, and well. For the church triumphant is alive and well. Hello, Tallahassee. This is the Gospel on the Radio Talk Show. I'm Pastor Jack King. I am your host. And I am always excited on Sunday mornings to spend time here with you on 94.1 on your radio dial and just talk about the things of the Lord. As I say, this is a show about dreams and visions and a church triumphant, alive and well. We talk about the church and the good things of the gospel of the kingdom. We have four rules. We don't talk sports, politics, or doctrine, but we do always speak well of one another. This is show number 1,115 today. And I have this Kathleen Bass here in the studio with me. And we're going to be talking about life. We're going to be talking about her. She is a mother of five children. She has a little business we're going to talk about and a lot of other things. So Miss Kathleen, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for Let's having come me. Come on up a little closer. There we go. Now, I always like to, to do this because, and I was just telling her just a few minutes ago, I like for everybody to have their own identity. And uh, like I say, she's a mom. She's involved in her church and uh, different things. But her husband has also been on the show many times. <laughs> and he's also a friend of mine. And his name is Paul Bass. And uh, so, Kathleen, how long have you been married to this man named Paul Bass? 25 years. 25 years. Now, over the years, we I met Paul at the Farmers and Merchants Bank here several years ago. And basically, he was at one window and I was at the other window. And the the lady behind the counter said something to me about church. <laughs> and for Brother Paul, it was like, sick him. <laughs> at that time, he was running the Christian uh, radio uh, t- TV station. Yep. So CTN. when he heard the word pastor he thinks oh <laughs> this is a guy i can get on my television station and so we met at the door as we were going out the door <laughs> and uh, he introduced himself and i introduced myself and we agreed that i would come on his uh, television show and that he would come on my radio show and that's just kind of where it's gone over the years so but now you uh have a little farm yes like that. Now tell us about the farm well, we live on the east side of Tallahassee, uh-huh. and it's just under two acres. Okay. Much smaller than we originally would have liked, but that's right. where God has us. So, okay. um, On our little farm, we have six goats, okay. mostly because they're babies. But, All right. And we have some bunny rabbits that two of my daughters uh, breed and sell as pets. Okay. And... A reptile or two, I think. Oh, what are the reptiles? A bearded dragon... And a gecko lizard. We've okay. had several different ones, but I think that's currently what right, we have. I'm, I'm fine with those. Uh, yeah. that, that one particular oh, no snakes. No, no snakes. Yeah, yeah, I'm not into that. No, no, no. <laughs> We've had a chameleon before. Okay. That was pretty cool. Okay. Um, but now you have a, a product that you, do you sell it or is it you give it away or what? It's, it's, Both. Okay. Yep, yep. So, Often give it away hoping to make sales down the road. <laughs> right, right. You're trying to get them hooked on it, right? Yes. Right, okay. Now what is it? Well, so, um, little story for you. Okay, we love stories. Yeah, yeah. So when my fourth daughter was born, we were living in Tupelo, Mississippi, um, and 
rural area and most of the people that i met all had little backyard farms okay so okay we'll do that too um so we got our backyard farm and all things farm start with chickens so we had our chickens and that was great and then i got a couple of goats okay well if you know anything about milking goats they have two teats that you would milk so two goats two teats each would be four that you'd have to milk so after doing that for a few months i was like you know four teats that sounds like a cow i could do a cow (laughs) so we got a cow um which was really great loved having my cow um best experience ever um but then it just made the goats kind of obsolete because we were drinking the cow milk not incredibly trending for like ever so we started making soap okay um part of the reason behind that is that um i grew up in a home that you know wasn't really interested in chemicals and you know healthy eating all that sort of stuff so i kind of already had that knowledge but i was getting to the point where i've got baby number four and if you add up all the chemicals and all the different products that you put on your family it adds up to a lot okay so I thought, well, we'll just make our own soap. So I watched a VHS <laughs> and uh, learned how to do that with some friends. And that kind of just started it there. I just made it for the family mostly. Okay. Um, give a little bit away here and there. But over the years, it's just kind of continued and grown. And it was probably four or five years ago at this point that I finally said, okay, let's start selling this and seeing what we can do to help offset the cost of all the things my kids like to do extracurricular. Okay. So, so now what's the name of it? Well, currently our the, the name of the business is called Back to the Farm. Back to the Farm. Right. And so this is this is your name, your product. In other words, this is not some uh, big corporation or anything like that. Nope. So, all the soap is made in my kitchen. Okay. So you named it Back to the Farm. Yes. Okay. And there's a reason behind that. All right. Um, partially... It, it was to consolidate things because my girls had a bunny business, okay. like I mentioned, and we had a Facebook page for that, and I had a Facebook page for my soap, and then another daughter started making sourdough bread, and a lot of different right, interests, right, right. and so what could we, what business name could we utilize that would kind of cover it all? Right, right. And so that's where Back, back to, to the, the farm. farm. So it became a conglomeration. Yes. So you have a more and more as a, of a corporation now because you've got different aspects of what you're doing right. on the farm. Yep. So you mentioned Facebook. Yes. So you put it on Facebook. I did. And how did that go? It was there. We actually our our bunny Facebook page uh-huh. became quite popular. We actually had people from other countries contacting us, not realizing that, you know, we weren't <laughs> local to them. <laughs> right. That was kind of funny. Um we did really well on that aspect. As far as sales go on Facebook, I mean I think it People saw it there. Um, I would often advertise classes uh-huh. and whatnot, but um, we're no longer on Facebook. Okay. So how do you sell it now? Word of mouth. Okay. Um, Come on, Pastor Jack King's radio show. There you go. So everybody <laughs> out there, you got to try the soap. All right. Okay. Let's say somebody wanted to purchase your soap. What would they do? They would contact me. I, how would they do that? Uh, 850-661-8835. Okay. Say it again. 850-661-8835. Now, do you have a website set up for this? I don't. My okay. husband wants me to have one. But I think you should. Yeah. But I no, have not gotten there. Now, let me ask you this question. Why would people want your soap? Oh, it's good. Okay. For what? <laughs> for what reason? Well, the goat milk in it is very moisturizing. That's okay. kind of like the 
the Trinity thing. There's no harsh chemicals. It's all natural. Okay. Um, literally, I would bathe my newborn baby's first bath with my own. So really? take it to the hospital. Okay. Yeah. Now, I've noticed something recently. First of all, when I go to the store to buy a bar of soap, the same bar of soap that we bought for years is now smaller okay. than it used to be. Second, it doesn't last as long. Now, how long would it, like if I were to buy a bar of your soap to start using it, how long could I expect it to last? It would be d- depend on how you treat it. Okay. So a lot of the soaps you find in the store have added preservatives and chemicals in them to help them last longer. Right, right. Unlike uh, ivory, you drop in the tub, it's going to kind of disintegrate. Right. But most of the other bars of soap kind of last even if you drop them in the tub. Okay. I don't have any of that stuff in my soap because it's not healthy for you. Okay. So you have to keep your soap dry. As long yeah. as you are keeping it as dry as you can, i.e. not letting it float around in the bathtub or sitting in a pool of water. Right. Um, just, just use it to bathe with. Yeah, okay. I mean... So now, what else is in that soap besides the goat milk? That's a good question. Funny story. That's <laughs> it. We love stories. There you Tell go. Tell us the stories. Back when we lived in Mississippi, I did have the privilege of working at a uh, Pioneer Days kind of event. Okay. Um, where we kind of did demonstrations on how to make the soap. Okay. And a lot of the city kids were brought from school to go around and tour and see all the different things. And my girls dressed up pioneer little girls it was it was a lot of fun all right um but i would talk to the students as they would come by they wouldn't get the whole demonstration just bits and pieces of it and so we would start talking about you know what was in the soap and i have all the ingredients on the table they didn't quite always get that as the hint but anyways um this one group of kids you know i'm asking them so where would we get fats to make our soap with right. and they're just looking at me clueless and i was like okay well where do we get meat okay because meat and fat go hand in hand trying to get them to start thinking this way and i am not kidding you several students answered mcdonald's really yep <laughs> it is just so far removed <laughs> from where things come from they had no idea right then i had to kind of like backpedal because i'm realizing they've probably never been talked to about the the, where stuff came from or how we got stuff everything doesn't just come from walmart and so then of course the whole concept of slaughtering came up and rendering fat and you know (laughs) i had to be a little careful in that respect but um yeah that was kind of funny Okay, so now, is there fat in your soap? Yes, that's basically what soap is. And where does it come from? Where where do you get it from? From Walmart. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Soap is made up of fats, which is really kind of funny, because you're looking at just a big clump of fat, right? Right, right. But when it goes through the chemical process, it turns into soap. So in our pioneer days, the fat would have been rendered from their cow or their pig, whatever animals they slaughtered. Okay. They would melt down the fat. It's called rendering. And once they've rendered it, then they would use it in the soap. Okay. Um, so you out in your yard, you have a pot with oh, a fire under it? Yeah, no. No? I don't have Pioneer Day kind of. Okay, okay. So how do you, how do I, you render your fat? Oh, I don't. Okay. I don't. I have once. All right. I have once because I wanted to see what it was like. Right. Um, and you can do it very easily in a yeah. crock pot. Okay. They say just cut it up and melt in your crock pot. The problem is when I did it, I was a newbie and really didn't know what I was doing and I didn't render it fully uh-huh. and so when i use that fat in the soap the soap had a 
scent that still smelled like okay so you, are you serious when you said you get it at walmart yes okay how, how do you, what has it come okay so the oils that i use are coconut oil olive oil and soybean and palm oil Oh, so you don't use the renderings? No. Okay. So no. You, you were just teased us. <laughs> well, that's how it would have been done in Pioneer right, Days, right, which right. is what I was talking to the students about. Okay, okay. Um, it's kind of the whole... Right. But yeah. So to go over that list again. Palm oil, okay. soybean oil, coconut oil, and olive oil. Okay. So you buy all those ingredients. Yes. Not okay. all at Walmart. I have different places that I source them okay, from. Okay. And then what do you do? You... you cook them you cook it well we're gonna make soap but if you really want to know how to make soap you have to come to my class <laughs> and i can give so, away all the so secrets. we're not gonna give any free information here <laughs> okay totally kidding no you do you take your oils your fats and you melt them down and okay. you mix your liquid whether it's goat milk or water or some other type of liquid with uh, sodium hydroxide lye Okay. You mix the then you mix those two things together, and a chemical process called saponification happens. Right. There's a lot more little yeah. technical yeah. stuff in there, but that's the basic concept there. And then you pour it into a mold and let it harden, and you cut it and See, let it. I cure. was wondering if you were going to get to lye. Yeah. Because I don't know that can you make soup soap with that lye? Is there such a thing? People that, think that there is really because um, you can go to Walmart to like Hobby Lobby or online anywhere and get something called melt and pour, oh. which is basically glycerin that they melt and remold. Oh. Or you can buy soap that's already been made with lye right. and then remelt it yeah. and, and put it in a different mold. But yeah, to really actually make the soap, yeah, you yeah. kind of need lye. I, you may not know the answer to this. That's no, sorry if you don't. What exactly is lye? I mean, I've, I've known about it. Sodium all hydroxide. Okay. So here's. Okay. A, I can tell you about that. All right. Not technically, but in pioneer days, they would have used their ashes from their fire pit. So when, after they would dig out the ashes from the fire pit, put them in some form of a sieve. Uh, Nowadays you might, uh, anyways, they pour water over the ashes. Right. And what comes out is sodium hydroxide. Really? Yes. So that's lie. That's lie. Mm-hmm. Because my mother was a big proponent of lie. Yeah. It <laughs> and she would use lie to strip furniture. With. Sure. Because, so, I mean, it, it could be really, really potent or it could be diluted yes. as such. Ironically, <laughs> you can make homemade pretzels and dip them in lye before you bake them. Really? Yeah. So you can eat the stuff. I wouldn't recommend it. And that's kind of, because this came up the other day, because some of my young adults are going to do that on Wednesday night. And so there was this whole discussion about food grade lye versus non-food grade lye. And we weren't sure really is there a difference. (laughs) The lye that I buy, I buy it at Ace Hardware and it literally is a drain cleaner. Uh But the particular brand that I buy is pure. It's 100% lye. It doesn't have any other additives. And you mix that in the soap? I mix that with the milk. Okay. And it is a liquid that I add to the. <laughs> now, h- how, I mean, do you have customers who come on a regular basis to buy your soap? How often do you have to actually make it up? That's an interesting question. She's thinking about that. I could make it daily, but really I kind of go through spurts. It's like okay. I might make, you know, over several days, several different right. batches so that right. I have n- numerous different scents to choose from at any given time. Okay. Now, we want your best sales pitch. I mean, why would my audience want to call Kathleen Bass and buy your soap? Why would they want to do that? They would want to do that because they would want the best quality soap for their family. Okay. And it would be soft, right? Did oh, you it's soft. Well, yeah. it's soft, but it's. Mm, I wouldn't advertise it like that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. 
um, because right, right. It you want the soap to be hard, so it will last longer. Right. And the way you get it hard is to cure it, which yeah. basically means the extra liquid that is in there is evaporating. So maybe the word that you used wasn't soft; it was gentle. Maybe that's it's a, very a gentle. Yeah. Yes, on your skin. So yeah. I made some for my friend who has eczema on her arms, and that worked great. Like I mentioned, I all my newborn babies. Did, did it help the eczema? Um, it didn't hurt the eczema, okay. whether it didn't take it, did, it away, it, it but she exaggerate was able to use it. it. Right. Right. Correct. Okay. Okay. Um, I've had people ask for all sorts of things. Um, I had one family ask me if I would just make them straight. What's the word? I forgot. I don't know. <laughs> She's, she, her mind's going, can't remember Castile. that Castile. They wanted Castile, just straight Castile soap. Now, what is that? That is where you literally... Just are making it with olive oil. Okay. Okay. Yep. So the thing is, your whole purpose for this one is it, it it's it's a soft soap. It's a safe soap, and somehow or another, I get the sense that there's some aspects of ministry for you in doing this. Is, is there is there something that motivates you more than just saying, "Hey, I want to give you this soap or sell you this soap." She's well, thinking. it's yes. Sorry, guess <laughs> you can't see that on radio. Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of an overall process. Sometimes I randomly just give it away uh-huh. because I feel prompted to, right? Um, because I want to bless somebody, right? Um, I've also used it to trade with. Okay. Um, I traded somebody a pampered chef baking stone for several bars of soap. I thought that was pretty awesome because nobody had to put out any money. <laughs> right. And we both got something that, you know, the there other person go. had. So um, I'd love to trade. We trade, I trade all the time. Okay. Um, but here's the thing about it is it something like this, if, if it's given out and people are aware of it, it gives you an opportunity to meet people. Absolutely. And anytime you get to meet somebody new, then you have an opportunity to begin to speak into the, their lives. In other words, that, that doesn't mean that, oh man, I'm going to jump on that person and just shove the gospel at them. No, and no. that's definitely not no. my style at all. No. I'm more about the, the friendship evangelism. Exactly. And ironically, I have been hosting classes in my home uh-huh. every now and then right. for the last several years. And three of my closest friends, I all met them because they came to my there house to take my soap There you class. go. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. This is an opportunity to reach people. Absolutely. And, and to just, as they speak into their heart, and of course, if they get to know you, then they get to see your life and the way you live. They get to see your family. All these things that become attractive to people who are outside of faith, and they're they're living out there, and they're, and they're doing whatever they're doing, and, and I meet so many people, and I know you do too, who are just, they're just unhappy mm-hmm. they're just unhappy they're dealing with all kinds of problems in their lives and stuff and then they come across christians i'm talking about people who really live their life for christ and they begin to say hey why don't you have all these same issues going on in your life and then you know what it is it's because we have the holy spirit leading it and guiding us and helping us to make decisions and things and then people as they see these things they're inquisitive Absolutely. they want to know you know what what makes you different and so your little soap products has brought these people into your lives and gives you an opportunity to speak the things of God. Absolutely. And so to me, it makes perfect sense why you'd want to do something like this. Not, not to mention the fact that you also enjoy uh, being back to the farm. Yes. <laughs> and the whole aspects of, of farm life. Now, were you a country girl? Did you grow up as a country girl? 
Yes, no, sort of, maybe. <laughs> uh, no, come on now. <laughs> you got to explain all of that. Yes, no, sort of, maybe. We moved a lot. Okay. At one were, were point, you, we lived on someone's farm. Were you military? I was military, and then, I mean, unfortunately, you, my parents divorced, so during and the When you times. say you were military, you weren't military, your parents were. My father was. Your father. So you were, what, what branch? Army. Army. So you were an army brat. Yes. See, I, I, I meet these from time to time. And one thing I know about, I've learned about people who are military children, they don't live normal lives. Maybe not. But you know what? My children aren't military children, and they've probably moved more than I have. Oh, really? Oh, well, yes. It, it kind of goes together. Preachers <laughs> and, and Adventurers. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my wife and I, we've pastored the same church for 40 in close to 44 years. That's wonderful. That's unusual. Mm-hmm. That's very, very unusual. You don't find that very often. Most pastors, two or three years, they're, they're, they're moved to another location. Okay. Military people are the same way. So you grew up different places. But did you say that during one of the times that you were there, you all lived on a farm? Yes. After my parents divorced. Okay. Yeah. What was the farm like? Uh, it was a dairy farm. I mean, a dairy farm. Yep. Okay, so you had Holstein cows? You know, I was pretty little. I mean, <laughs> probably eight or nine right. at the time. I don't remember the, they, the breed. Were they black and white? I don't remember. Don't I remember. do remember going out each night to get a uh, pitcher full of milk for dinner okay. out of the vat. Now, do you think that that has a lot to do with your love for animals? I really don't know. Huh? I mean, he, he was a little child. Were you one of those people like I am? I just love dogs. And I just love dogs. But I, I love all animals. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I was opposed to animals, but no, I was not that kid. Okay. Um, it's kind of ironic, though. I will say that a lot of people that I knew as a young adult were all shocked when I became the little backyard farmer. So. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about as, as an adult? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And that was, has that been mostly since you've been here in Tallahassee? Or? No, we started no. when we lived in Mississippi. Okay. A little backyard farmer. Yep. And what did you have in Mississippi? Did you have? A- we started with the chickens. The chickens. And then the goats. Now, now, do you do gardening? Do you have a garden? We do have a garden. I have to credit that to my daughter, Molly. Ah, so she's the... She has taken it by storm. She's really? She's 15 years old. She asked us for a greenhouse, and she now has quite the garden. What, what does she grow in her garden? Oh, my goodness. Everything. <laughs> Um, one of my friends that I met through the soap class is an avid gar- gardener, and so she has hooked Molly on seeds. Really? Really? <laughs> yes. And so she's got like tomatoes and squash and yes. green beans and peas and, and carrots and corn and. Yes, all of those, all of those plus sort of a whole bunch of obscure things. Okay. Yep. And then fruit trees and blueberry bushes and. Really? Mm hmm. And all that's a blessing to the family. Absolutely. It's helps on the food budget when you've got five kids. There you go. <laughs> well, our goal is to be as self sustainable as possible. So. Okay. Okay. Well, see, for me, and I grew up on a farm. Mm-hmm. Lived all my life on a farm growing up. I mean, when we first moved to the farm that I, I now own part of it, we had everything. We had, a, we had a garden. We had orchards. We had fruit. We, we raised our own cattle, raised our own hogs, and we did the rendering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, you know, we'd butcher them, and then they'd, one of my jobs was to keep that fire underneath that little pot. Right. And then we would, we would make lard, mm-hmm. and we'd have these big cans full of lard, and then we'd take it around to give them away to all of our relatives. Yes. And, I, and I've made the comment that they're all dead now, so I don't know if that had anything to do with the lard that we gave them. I don't think so. <laughs> anyway. It's actually very healthy for you. Yeah. But anyway, we, I mean, I've had the whole experience of growing up with uh, animals. And so now that... Uh, 
my wife and I bought the property we live on now, and we have animals too. Because now, if it was left up to my wife, <laughs> no, she she does that because she knows that I love the animals, and then she loves me. Right. And, and then there are those occasions when I'm out of town, and she has to go out and feed them, and uh, she does it. She doesn't like doing it, but she, <laughs> she does it. And then I have this huge goat. I mean, he is a monster. And he's got this big, big rack. And one night, she was having to feed the animals. It was dark. And she looked in the pen, and he wasn't there. Now, she had just opened the uh, door to the side of the shed where we keep the feed, and she had this plank in her hand. <laughs> But she also had the feed thing in her other hand. Well, the goat saw the feed thing, and he butted it. And Mm -hmm. it hurt her hand doing that. And then she applied the board. (laughs) She's the smart lady. (laughs) Because he's a big goat. Big goats with horns hurt. And if they butt you, Mm -hmm. they can really hurt you. And see, and my brother Jerry, who is my co-owner of the farm up in Kentucky, he was down here one time. He said, you know, uh, we have this guy that lives down the road, and he he helps my brother maintain the farm because my brother lives in Cincinnati. And, of course, there's a farm down in Kentucky. And uh, he said, you know, Cecil and I were talking about getting some goats to have on the farm. (laughs) He said, what do you think about that? I said, just take a look at that goat right there <laughs> and tell me if you want to have a herd of those. <laughs> and about that time, his name was Gus. Gus went like that. He he butt that and, butt that tree, and I mean the crazy goat. He'll just sit there. He'll just butt that tree. Butt it. Butt it. Butt it. Sometimes he'll he'll get blood on his head. Yeah. I said, "Do you want a farm full of those?" He said, "No, I don't think so." <laughs> we well, have to choose the right goat, right? And <laughs> to you have, have a little to, backyard. Yeah, farm. and and animals. People may not realize this, but animals require care and safety mm-hmm. because a big animal can can hurt you if you don't know how to handle yes. an animal. Now, I have a donkey, and he's a, he's not just a little donkey; he's he's as big as a horse. And uh, so I, we we do our live nativity every year. We've been doing this for 40, 44 years, okay. And I bring him to the nativity. Mm-hmm. But I realize there's nobody else in my church, anybody else can handle that donkey. In other words, I don't, I don't say, hey, go, go over and get that donkey out of the trailer. Right. I know better than that because I know how to handle him because he's my donkey and I work with him. But a big animal is something you have to contend with. I was talking to, and I don't mean to be taking over the conversation here, but, but I talked to a guy by the name of Don May. Don May is a banker here in town. But he also worked with the renegade team that takes a big horse to the stadium. Okay. Now you think about this. He explained this to me. He says, you've got this big animal and he's in a crowd of 80,000 people and you got horns blowing and all this kind of stuff. And how does that affect that animal? Most people wouldn't even think about that. But he said, it's very tedious how they have to deal with bringing that animal into that stadium and just imagine some of these uh, teams that has a, an ox or something like that. What if the thing got loose? <laughs> Would not want to be there. Right, right. So now you have goats and you used to have a big dog, but you don't have the big dog anymore. No. Okay. Now what kind of dog was that? A Pyrenees. A Pyrenees. What was his name? Chap. 
I remember the dog because I remember I came to your house one time and he was lost. And, oh goodness! Uh, y'all were trying to find him. And, yes, uh, I remember that day. You helped come yeah, down the yeah. And street. I went went up some streets and I came to this house and there was a big dog, kind of like what you described in the backyard. And I just assumed it was yours. <laughs> But fortunately, I checked with the people first. <laughs> I didn't just go, oh, that's that's Kathleen's dog. <laughs> and uh, and then I called you, and he said, no, 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 that's not that's not him. But 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 my daughter has one just like that. Yes. Okay. And if I go out in the backyard and that dog jumps on me, mm-hmm. that dog knocked me over. Yes. And <laughs> you better. Keep your mouth closed because he loves to kiss. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's the thing about Great Pyrenees is they really need room to run. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of people with small backyard farms, you know, you, you do want a guardian dog and they're excellent for that. Right. But two acres little, isn't little, enough. A little, little too big. Yeah. So I told my daughter, I said, I just got kissed by a polar bear. Oh, nice. <laughs> but now your animals, did you say, okay, I want some goats or did they just kind of show up? Um, we, when we lived in Mississippi, we, um, purpose to get them. Yeah. Okay. So you moved the goats from Mississippi? Actually, yes. And my cow. Oh, really? And a chicken. <laughs> well, how, how did they travel? Did they travel well? Yeah. Yeah. You, you had, had them in like, like a stock trailer? Yep. In a stock trailer, okay. uh, which was totally a testimony of God. We, um, were moving back here to Florida from Mississippi and at the, I was trying to hire somebody to move them, uh-huh. all sorts of things, because um, my husband was like, just sell them all and rebuy them when you get here. So I had kind of done some research, and I said, not going to happen. Okay. Um, I wanted to bring my cow. Um, her name was Maisie. Really loved Maisie. Okay. And other day, Maisie's not with us anymore. Oh, oh. unfortunately. <laughs> she died eight plus years ago. Okay. okay. Um, she was my second cow. The first cow we got was kind of a rescue cow. Yeah. Um, but then we got Maisie from a dairy. She just wasn't a huge producer for dairy standards, uh-huh. um, but she was wonderful um, just to be a family right, cow. Right. Like, I let my children play in the back. She lived in our... We had two acres, but she, our backyard was part of her pasture. Right. So the swing set was there, and the cow was there. And uh, my fourth child toddled all around oh, with yeah. that cow in yeah. there. I didn't worry at all with that particular yeah. cow. Cows have wonderful personalities. Yeah, some do. Yeah. Some not so. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I, the farm, I, we grew up on, on the farm, and we had a, a Guernsey cow. Her name was Blossom. Nice. And Blossom had two calves. She had twins. One of them, she would take. The other one, she would not take it because a cow will reject yes. an animal. And so the female, she would not allow to nurse. Mm. So I had to raise Blasima on what we call a bucket. Mm-hmm. If, if you have a bucket, it's got a nipple on you. Yep. Powder. Well, that cow was so gentle. And sometimes uh, on the road, next to the road, across the fence, the cows would be laying underneath the shade tree. I could go up there and just sit on the back of that cow. And I would do that quite often just to watch the expression of the cars that drove by. by yeah. <laughs> they see this little boy just sitting on the <laughs> cow out there. She didn't care. Nope, she didn't care. Yes. She was just the sweetest cow. Her name was Blasima. Blasima. So, Blasima, Blasima. That's but, cute. But see, here's the thing about animals is that generally, if you, if you raise them and you love them as you go, then they'll love you. Mm-hmm. And generally, we'll be we'll be gentle, we'll be good pets. But if you go buy an animal somewhere, and that animal doesn't know you, they can become quite a dilemma. <laughs> it can, yeah. It, so, with time, yeah. 
sometimes you can bring them around. But now, when you all moved here, mm-hmm. did you already know where you were purchasing so that you'd have a place for your animals? Oh no, <laughs> I had to find a rental that we could bring a cow with us. Okay, was that was that after you'd already gotten the animals here? No, we no. we came to visit okay um before my husband accepted the job and i on craigslist i had found a one-room cabin on 10 acres and you all moved into the one and we moved in with three children (laughs) no four children sorry four children four children into this one-room cabin with a a little barn on 10 acres and it was wonderful um i love it but yeah so back to the other story god uh, at the last minute we found a completely refurbished cattle trailer on craigslist okay and um they delivered it to our house for no extra charge it was crazy um we rented a u-haul loaded our stuff in the u-haul put the cattle trailer attached to the back of the u-haul loaded the cow our beloved goat and the lawn tractor (laughs) and then the u-haul went off down the road and i was behind with the dog and the cat and the chicken the favored chicken and her chicks in the back seat of the van with the kids so how long did this trip take we made it in 12 hours 12 so hours. i milked the cow before we left and as soon as we got home i milked the cow or to the new place but yeah it was pretty cool that we found a rental that i could bring a right, cow to right. now did you re- replace and repack the bearings on the trailer before you brought it it was had already been refurbished. It all had been done. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. Because yep. that's very important. If you're going to take a trailer on a long trip, nope, it uh, was grease those bearings and you'll be completely, fine. Completely, yeah. was just, just completely ready for us. Okay. Then when we got here, we had been here a couple months. I told my husband, you know, the trailer's just going to kind of fall apart because we're not using it. So I sold it for more than I bought it for. There you go. I like so, it. That's a good plan. You are totally listening got. to the gospel on the radio talk show. I'm Pastor Jack King. Kathleen Bass is my guest today. We've been having a good time just talking about farm life and soap. Back to the farm, right? Yes. Okay. But we want to shift gears in a few minutes and let's just talk about your life in ministry and your, your husband, some of the things that you do, some of the things, the stories that he's told us here on the radio, because he's been on this show many times. We're going to find out your version of the story. Oh, boy. <laughs> but for those of you who listen every Sunday, you know what's fixing to happen next. That's right. Southern gospel music. Pastor King loves it. It's Ernie Haas and Signature Sound. It's called Trying to Get a Glimpse. So I saw her on the other side of here. Watch over on the other side. Try to get a glimpse of watch over on the other side. Yeah, trying to get a glimpse of what's over on the other side. That's Ernie Haas and signature sound, and this is the Gospel on the Radio talk show. I am Pastor Jack King, and I always have a good time spending an hour with you on a Sunday morning, but I do want to invite you to church. I am the pastor of Freedom Road Christian Ministry, 720 Capital Circle Northeast. We are in the Crescent Park Plaza, 11.05 is our start time. We do love visitors. We love to worship the Lord, love the Word. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. Bring the family. Sunday school starts at 10 o'clock, and you can also hear this show on podcast if you want to tune in. Uh, Show number 1,115 today. You can share it with a friend or listen to it again if you want to. And also, if you like Southern Gospel music like I do, and I do, then you can join me on Saturday nights at 7 o'clock. 
for the Saturday night gospel sing. It's a full hour of Southern gospel music. And then there's also the daily broadcast Monday through Friday here on 94.1 where I just share the word. And uh, I'm a preacher of the word. I think you enjoy. Here lately, we've been studying through the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. <laughs> I think we've been on this about four weeks now. And uh, it's it's good. I'm sure you it would be a blessing to you. Ms. Kathleen Bass is my guest today. Uh, she is a lady who loves animals, has five children, loves her husband, been married for 25 years. And uh, she has this soap that will be a blessing to you. And um, she assures you it'll be gentle. It'll be gentle for you, right? Is that the right word? It's Organic. Organic. Okay. Yes. Now, as we've told you in the beginning, her husband, uh, Paul Bass, he was for a long time the uh, uh, director of the Christian uh, television station here in Tallahassee. You said you came from Mississippi. I guess that was like the headquarters for the uh, the ministry uh, that you are involved in, in Christian broadcasting. No. No? Did I get that wrong? Yep. CTN is headquartered in Clearwater. Clearwater. Yes. So what were you doing in Mississippi? Um, my husband worked for American Family Association. Okay. And that was Brother Wilder? Yes. 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 Yep. Okay. So yep. I had that all confused. That's okay. okay. He, he ran what we called the homeschool channel. Okay. Basically, it was a online community, much like Facebook, but for homeschool families. Okay. So when he came to Tallahassee, we're talking about a totally different organization. Yes. Uh, see, I did not realize that. Because yep. I've heard him talk about Brother Wilder and that sort of thing. So I just connected. Uh, I do things like that all the time. <laughs> Two totally different things. But now, before that, I'm going to go back a little bit. Okay. You all, not too long after you were married, he decided that he wanted to take a stab at Hollywood. Correct. Right. Now, how long had you been married when that happened? Six or eight years. Okay. Tell us from your perspective, what was that like? In the end, it was a grand adventure. <laughs> okay. Took me a little bit to get there, probably a couple years, uh -huh. because we literally sold our house and most of the things that we owned. Okay. And uh, loaded up a U-Haul and drove to California. <laughs> loaded up the truck and moved to Beverly. <laughs> yes. Uh, we had a... Two-year-old and a six-year-old okay. at the time. But now, this is pretty remarkable of you that you stood by him and let him, let him go follow his dream. Yeah, because see, I'm like I say, this is a show about dreams and visions and a church triumphant life and well. And when I get a dreamer here on this show, I say we're just kindred. See, because I'm a dreamer, and I the, the book I wrote that's the first words I said I confess I'm a dreamer, and so. If somebody's got a dream and it seems a little crazy and he's willing to step out and do it and his wife is willing to stand by and let him do it, I applaud that. Well, I will tell you, it did take a couple of years to come alongside him. His uh -huh. latest one has been to hike the Appalachian Trail as a family. Uh -huh. And I think it's been four or five years and I'm still resisting. <laughs> well, I see, but this that actually requires sweat and toil. <laughs> oh, a whole lot of things. Okay, we won't even go there. I'll just let you all work that one out. But now, how long were you in Hollywood? Just shy of a year. A shy of a year. And he told me he had a piece in uh, the, what was the name of that movie? The, the Spider-Man. Sp oh, no, I didn't know about that. Mm -hmm. uh, Spider-Man 3, I believe. Really? Yep. 
But no. not, I mean, he was a background actor, but you can sure. see him on the screen. How about that? Yeah. So, now, he didn't tell, maybe he did, maybe I don't remember. But I remember the, the other one about the, the doctors. The, oh, he was on Scrubs. Scrubs, several yes. Several times. Yes, yes. Scrubs, ER. Yeah. There was another okay. uh, detective type show. I can't okay. remember. But during all that time, what were you doing? Uh, at home with the kids. Okay. And how many children? She says you had two. Two. Two at that time. Mm-hmm. And he said you'd sold your home. Mm-hmm. So were you living off that money? Yes. Pretty much. Yep. Okay. We had taken a percentage of it and put it in an IRA so it couldn't touch okay. it. Okay. So what did you think about this? Did you think it was just a crazy idea? Or what, were you, what were you thinking? <laughs> She's thinking now. <laughs> She's trying to think. What was I thinking? <laughs> to be honest, I finally got to this point where I had never really thought about what I wanted to do. Like, did I have these grand bucket list type things? Right. And nobody had ever really talked to me about coming up with stuff uh-huh. that would be that. I mean, I my goal had been to marry a godly man and raise a family. And that's right. what I was doing. Okay. Um, but somewhere along the line, I decided that it would be pretty cool. We'll just go and do these fun adventures. Right, and right. so... Let's go do this adventure. I mean, it sounds really great when you tell people that you just packed up and moved to L.A. (laughs) Right, right, right. It was hard, but but, it was good. But what happened? I found out money just ran out. Money ran out, for sure. It's time time to go home now and go go back to real life. I will confess that I was probably ready to go home before he was. (laughs) Um, The grass is always greener on the other side. And in this case, California's brown. Yeah, yeah. We lived right in the foothills. Uh Um, Oh, my goodness. We got there in the fall. And as soon as the sun started to set, it would go from being shorts weather to I need a sweater and jeans on, and it would just it would be dark. It was a big adjustment. Right, the lack right. of green, yeah. the yeah. living behind a mountain, you know, yeah. it was just different. If you move up the coast toward uh, Oregon, mm-hmm. that's even a harder adjustment because you never see the sun. I have and heard for that. a Florida girl. Yep. <laughs> if you, I mean, of course, you were a Mississippi girl, but no, 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 no. no I'm sorry, you're the one from Miami. No, nope. somebody I'm was a from New York Miami. Girl, uh, Paul was from Miami. You were from New York. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Yeah. So, how did you end up in Mississippi? With Paul. Okay. So, how did you all get together? Mutual friend. Uh So, we make this big joke that I was homeless and unemployed. (laughs) (laughs) So, you married me. But uh, how did you end up in the same city? Um, I had actually lost my job in Pennsylvania. Okay. And my sister lived in South Florida. Okay. So I grabbed my best friend and we drove down to Florida to visit my sister because I didn't have a job. Okay. Um, And while we were here visiting my sister, my best friend says, hey, let's go visit my friend from her prior college. Because we both went to different colleges and then she and I met. Okay. At a college. Okay. So um, I was, I was like, really? And and so she called Paul, and was like, "Hey, I'm in town, and and can let's get together." Right. And he's like, "Does your friend have to come?" <laughs> oh no! And she's like, "Kinda. She's my ride." All right. So, anyways, um, he was emceeing for a company picnic over in Clearwater Beach, and okay. we drove there and met him and. Married seven months later. So you drove up from Miami to Clearwater Beach? We, I was in Palm Beach. Okay. Palm Beach to Clearwater. That's still a pretty good little drive just yeah. to meet somebody. 
Well, yeah. I mean, it, it, we were going to go for the weekend and just, you know. So, okay. So, you drove up there. Mm-hmm. Did, did you stay in, in Clearwater? I mean, how mm-hmm. did, so you just went up there and just stayed. Oh, no, 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 no. Just for the weekend. For the weekend. For so the then, weekend. then what happened? You started corresponding? Yeah, he was like, hey, you want to go do something next weekend? Yeah, I have to understand, neither one of us were, even though we were both older, neither one of us were really looking yeah. for someone in particular. Right. So, it was sort of like... Hey, yeah, you're fun. Let's go do fun things. Yeah. So I went back to Palm Beach in the next weekend. I, don't, I think I we met at um, the Springs. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, and well, I mean, you couldn't have been that uh, old. I mean, you're still young, fairly young now. <laughs> yes, I'm still very young. <laughs> I was 27. He was 33. Okay. Well, yeah, that's in the South. In the South, that's that's old. Yeah, not to be married because, like, uh, my my wife was from Pensacola. Mm. We met when she just barely turned sixteen, and we were married when she two weeks out of high school. But in Pensacola, if you don't get them young, you don't get them. Oh, because they marry over there. They're married fourteen, fifteen, sixteen years of age. Oh my! <laughs> so, you know, I I was on an aircraft carrier, and we did dry dock in Boston. Okay. And we were there for four months. And there were young ladies there that were 25, 26. You know, they were older. Of course, at that time, they were older than me. And that was unusual for me to actually be around older young women. Ah. See? <laughs> so, yeah, at 26, 27, yeah, that's getting up there. But I don't really call that to be that old as such. And, of course, it worked out. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> okay. So, we spent a lot of time okay. together just because I had yeah. no job and. But now, no friends. You mentioned your faith. Mm-hmm. You mentioned when you uh, they said, "Have you always been a believer?" Since I was six. Okay, so you grew up in church. Yes, and I think he pretty much did too, didn't he? His dad's a pastor. Okay, and so through all of these things, you being in L.A. and all this sort of thing, I mean, you were a believer during this whole time, whole thing. Absolutely. See, to me, that changes the perspective of everything. Yeah, but it's just like when when I went in the Navy, people told me, "Oh, you'll change, you'll mm-hmm. change." But I didn't. I mean, I, I went in a believer. I came out a believer. Right. And, and you don't have to. You can you can follow your dreams and live your faith at the same time. Well, that was definitely Paul's motive. I mean, he definitely wanted to do the whole LA scene, the the acting. But he used it as a mission field. I mean, because you're sitting on set for a very long time. Yeah. Not a lot to do. Yeah. He, he, so, he, he mentioned that yep. to, to us here on the radio show, too, that, that he saw it as, a, as an opportunity to be able to uh, bring Christ to people who maybe had never heard or maybe they were away from their faith. Mm-hmm. And if you, know, if, you can, if you can break into acting and be a person of faith, you can have a lot of influence. Mm-hmm. Because uh, uh, what is the, the new movie that's – hot right now it's a christian movie uh jesus revolution jesus revolution kelsey grammar mm-hmm. and now i asked my wife just the other day because we were talking about this i said how long has he been a believer and it may be 20 years i'm not sure but i knew you know when he was on cheers mm-hmm. i'm thinking he probably was and i know i don't really know but now you see the impact that he's having right as as a believer somebody people knows and uh and he's living out his faith so, yeah, I, I, I understand what he would say. Yeah, this could be a missionary uh, opportunity for me. And to have gone and did what he did, mm-hmm. and when he left Los Angeles, he still had his faith. Yes. See, I think that's incredible as such. So I have an, a story. Okay. Um, so he's at work a lot, and uh, we live in this quaint little town right above L.A., a uh, little town called Montrose. 
Um, and when we first got there, I was like, where are we going to go to church? Because we literally, we knew a family in Simi Valley, but that was it. Okay. Um, so we went to lunch one day and there were two people having lunch at the table. They sat down and they prayed. I said, Paul, I'm going to go ask them. Okay. So I walk over and I was like, so I saw that you prayed for lunch. Where do you go to church? We're new in town. And um, that started a friendship really? with, with this family. Turns out both the husband and wife were doctors. Um, just really great people. They had kids our kids' age. Um, we were friends with them the whole time we were there. And it really worked out because uh, our daughter fell down the stairs at one point and needed to see a doctor. Um, and so, and you know, we're living off that house money. <laughs> and I knew that if I walked into the ER, it would be a minimum of $1,000. Yeah. So I called her because she was a friend. And she was just like, bring her to my practice. And they literally took us in the back door and she took care of her. Wow. And, and I don't wow. even know if I paid a bill if i did it was minimal <laughs> and, and so you started going to their church actually no we visited but it it oh, wasn't really? um really it didn't turn out uh we did eventually end up um at an, a little church right there in montrose which was great i can't remember what it was called uh, the kids okay. love vacation bible school there but there was a park this is my story there's a little park not far from where we lived um and with little hills so we walked everywhere it was, it was great um so I'm at the park while Evelyn is at school uh, with Joelle, who was two at the time. And, you know, there's little kids, so you're meeting. So she meets these two little twins, Laura and Fiona. So I find their mom and I start talking to the mom and, and we're hitting it off and this is great. And, and so I ask her, where do you go to church? You know, and she's just like, oh, well, we're Scientologists. Okay. And I immediately in my heart went, well, we're not going to be friends. <laughs> Like, there's no way. Why would I? I mean, that's definitely not in my sphere of, right. you know, and, and I don't want my, you know, anyways. Um, and this is the one time I'm like, as audible as we're talking, God said to me, even Scientologists need friends huh. or need me, yeah. not friends, but right. need me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So, um, this family, they became friends of ours. Huh. And um, we, I let my, you know, my, our daughters play. People thought they were triplets because they were all the same age. Wow. They all looked wow. cute. It was, we just had a blast <laughs> together, spent yeah. time in the park. And, and eventually she said, hey, let's go to dinner. So our husbands watched the kids and we went to dinner and she shared about her faith. Um, and again, you know, I just was like, oh, okay, okay. You know, and eventually God really prompted me. He's like, you, you can't just listen. You have to come back. So she would share something. So I would share. Right, right. Um, very interesting Scientology. It, uh -huh. There's a lot of similarities, but definitely a lot of um, miscommunicate, not okay. mis, uh, misdoctrine anyways. So you became friends. We did yeah. become friends. And just by being her friend and living our lives I, I I have to have faith that that seed was planted sure. somewhere that. But you know, you notice that uh, that you, you uh, twice as you mentioned you just met a total stranger, mm -hmm. and then your husband met a total stranger. Me, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think there's a connection here. <laughs> God does good things when you just reach out. Yep. And uh, I say, just just go in faith. Don't worry about what's going to happen. God's got all that under control. Right. And sometimes just give an opportunity to always sow the seed. And okay. it isn't always the, the, the quote, intentional. God it's just not works. always going on the, to the park or, to, or the no. street corner to share the gospel. It's, it's about God sharing the love yeah. and through that. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. lived in a small apartment complex and got to know several of the families. Yeah. And um, definitely, we, I feel like, 
God used us in those right. scenarios. And the thing about it is, you know, they said the scriptures and the sower went forth to sow, and it went, he sowed it in all kinds of different areas in the stony ground, the, the uh, good ground, the, uh, all the different aspects. So he just sowed the seed. Yeah. And he didn't really concern him so much himself about where the seed landed. He just sowed the seed. And that's what the thing about meeting people, just developing relationships with people, gives you an opportunity to speak into their lives. Absolutely. And then a lot of times when they're going through a crisis and they see your life and your testimony, they say, who, who do I go talk to here? Well, So I have a neat story about that too. Yeah. Okay. We got about six minutes. Go, okay. Go, go this is it. quick. Yeah. Um, our immediate neighbor in the apartments, um, her name was Laura, and we didn't see her often. She okay. had severe depression and was on some kind of meds that kept her in bed a lot. Okay. She adored my daughters. Um, but when she would not be in bed, which would be very rare, she would come out and want to interact with them. And and one time I came outside, and and one of the, my girls went up to her, and she's just like, oh, don't touch me. She goes, I, you, like it, she was worried that she would contaminate my daughters. Right, okay. And it broke my heart. And I walked right over to her and I said, you're crazy. And I hugged her. <laughs> and I was just like, we, always, you know, it, it, I, to this day, I could cry about it. So we move. After the year, we move. And somehow or another, she found me a couple, two, three, four years later. I don't know how, but she found us. And we had just randomly sent her a card. I didn't remember when her birthday was, but once a year, I'd just send a card. Okay. And uh, she said... Uh, she, she she called, I don't know how, but somehow she found me. And she says, I want you to know that during that time, she's like, there was something different about you guys. Like, sure. it made a difference. Yeah. She goes, I was on those meds and they kept me down and, and depressed. She's like, I'm not on them. I'm not seeing that doctor anymore. And she's living life again. Wow. And uh, See, the sower went forth to sow. Yeah. And just sowed the seed. And amazing. Like, and a lot of times you sow the seed just by the life you live. Sure. Being being kind. If if you're a type of person, you just respect people. Mm-hmm. Just respect everybody. You don't you don't disrespect them, and you just treat them treat people with kindness. It's amazing how that just speaks yes. as, as God leads, and and, uh, and and all of us. If if you're a believer, you want other people to to know what you know and to share Christ as you know Christ, and just by living your life and setting the examples of how you live, you can touch a lot of people like that. Now, your uh, Paul became the uh, director of the Christian Television Station. Is it because you, you'd been in Mississippi and he'd been working? What you I forgot what you said. AFA American Family okay. Association. And then you made this transition. So mm-hmm. when you left. Uh, Los Angeles, is, is this what he did? He went back and just got involved in ministry in some capacity like that? We actually moved home and moved in with his parents. Okay. <laughs> no, that was fun. <laughs> we weren't really sure what or where or how, yeah. um, but we came home and God just opened the doors for right. that job. So yeah. it's kind of funny. Didn't really want to go to Mississippi, but turned out to be a great right. place. So. But uh, had he always had a call in his life? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and of course, being a pastor's son, that kind of goes with it. But I did too. Even as a, my, my father certainly was a pastor. I mean, he was a farmer and he worked for the highway department. But but yet, from a very small child, mm-hmm. I knew that I was going to be in the ministry. My son, who <laughs> always said he would not, right? <laughs> he said, "I will never." Uh, now he's, of course, he's not quite a pastor, but he's very involved in uh, FCA. And that's his passion mm-hmm. as such. But the thing about it is that you knew this when you married him. Mm-hmm. Did, that, did that scare you at all? No. No. 
My wife, when she was a little girl, and they weren't even in church, told her that you're going to be a pastor's wife. But now here's her thing. This is what she says. She says, she's not called to the ministry. And she'll make that very, very clear. Now, she's an excellent Sunday school teacher, that sort of thing. She doesn't like being in the front at all. (laughs) She has a beautiful voice, but she won't sing. She says, her calling is to be my wife. And she does that very, very well. But it just so happens that as a wife, she's also a pastor's wife as such. Now, I don't know. That sounds a little familiar from you. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have a family, which you attend to, which is a very important role to play. You have your your business as a form of ministry. But do you feel a call to ministry? Do you have a role as such? My call is to just love those that are around us. Yeah. Like I, so you, you, you tell so me. much like your wife, yeah. there was some prophetic word as a teenager that I would be hooked up with a man in the ministry. Uh, I'm like, right. oh, okay, good. But, that but means I'm married. getting hooked up so I can have a family here. <laughs> well, that was like with Tammy. Her father wanted her to go to college. She says, no, I don't want to go to college. She says, I just want to be a wife and a mother. That's what I want. And, and then, God gave us five beautiful yeah. daughters. And then later, she went into the medical field, and now she's a, she's a nurse. But uh, uh, that's what she wanted to be. She just wanted to be a, a mother. And, a, and, of course, we have five children. There you go. <laughs> Five's a good number. And all, all of ours are grown now. We we're, in a, we're in the grandkids stage now. Nice. Which is an excellent time to be. But the thing about it is that when, when you say, God... You lead my life, mm-hmm. and I'll let you can be concerned about that. He has our paths, you know, the steps of a righteous man are ordered to the Lord, as Scripture says. Absolutely. So, and for a long time, I tried to control that, and then I finally came to a point where I said, "You know what? I think I'm just going to go along for the ride uh-huh. and enjoy what you have for me." Well, that's a hard. That's a, actually a hard place to come to. It is when, a hard place when we take our own hands off our destiny yep. and put it in the Lord's hands. As such, so but things are much better, amen. Well, we are down less than a minute now, all right. So, what we do now is we go before the Lord in prayer, awesome, Father. I just thank you, Lord, for this wonderful opportunity to just to have uh, Sister Kathleen here just share her heart and, and what God's doing in her life. And Father, we just give you glory and praise. We thank you, Father, for blessings. And Father, we just pray over our country, we pray for your kingdom, we pray for peace in the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Real Amen. quick, give that phone number out. Well, I brought two bars soap. of my soap. Okay. I have Blackberry Sage and the bestseller Kentucky Cowboy. Ooh, and so that Kentucky. one's for you. It's black oh, to appeal to men. I make okay. sense that appeal to men. So those are there for you. 850-661-8835. Back to the okay. farm goat milk soap. And until next Sunday. May the Lord bless you.